Welcome to Running Off the Rails. My name is Raymond O'Connor, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Heavy Arms. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. For those of you who don't know Heavy Arms, he is a designer for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and has published multiple products. Today, I really wanted to take advantage of having Heavy Arms on the show and talk about the legacy of the Ranger in Dungeons & Dragons. Heavy Arms is a particularly useful interviewee to have on the show today because Heavy Arms has actually published his own version of the Dungeons & Dragons Ranger, which makes you a little bit of an expert, I think. I'm not sure I'd call myself an expert, but I'm certainly someone with some thoughts. You feel very strongly about the Ranger. I know that from our personal conversations that we've had in the past. Oh, well, I feel very strongly about many things. Um, yeah, I, I feel strongly about the narrative of the Ranger more than anything mechanical. So um, I'm hoping that's what we're going to get into. Yeah, I think that if we are going to criticize or talk about what we think the Ranger should be in Dungeons & Dragons, I think that starting with the fantastical narrative origins of what we even think a ranger is in Dungeons & Dragons is probably a pretty good place to start. So when you think about a ranger in Dungeons & Dragons or a ranger in high fantasy fiction, what is that core seed that you start with, Heavy Arms? That's the right place to start. I've designed lots of different things. It's, you know, classes, uh, rule sets... So my starting point is always like what's the fantasy we're trying to capture and and it's either just for me or more broadly like what's the collective imagining that's going on for me most people as well are going to start the first thing you'll think of is like a last lord of the rings maybe aragorn will be a distant second like, <laughs> don't don't at me on that maybe uh, you know, there's obviously you know, Drist from the Drist novels. Geralt is kind of a ranger as well. And, and I think this is part of the reason why it's so difficult for, for people to agree on what the ranger should be. And there's, there's, there's various levels of kind of dissatisfaction as to why the, the, not only the official ranger, but any ranger that people read kind of only ever satisfies a very small section of the audience is, is there are so many different interpretations. Yeah, I, th I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Probably the, the reason why, compared to all the different fantasies that Wizards has delivered mechanics for, the ranger feels the most maybe shallow or like it still hasn't quite hit the target is, is maybe because the term ranger or this fantasy of a ranger is so overloaded just in fantasy. And as a result, no one can agree about what a ranger should be absolutely it's like what what even what even is the target say for for wizard it's really easy you're you're gandalf with the spellbook um for barbarian it's really easy you are literally conan the barbarian like that's that's what you're aiming for nobody has a significantly different interpretation of what a barbarian is for Ranger, it's there. There are so many different things. A, a big one, and I, I see this in in all these kind of conversations that come up, is um, is the spellcaster versus versus non-spellcaster dichotomy. Uh, people who come from a like a, a more integrated into the kind of D and D um, community will say that you know, well, a Ranger's always had spellcasting, so he should have spellcasting. But at least in my experience, like most people who who are kind of reasonably fresh in D and D, or come to it with fresh eyes, they're always surprised. Rangers, Ranger does magic, because you know Legolas doesn't use magic, Aragorn doesn't use magic, you know Geralt doesn't doesn't really use magic. Um, it, it, it's only Drist, and of those four characters I've mentioned there, and I'm, I'm sure there might be more, Drist is the least significant in pop culture terms by a long, long way. Yeah, I mean Geralt, the the signs that he uses look way more like an eldritch knight as compared to the the nature-oriented spells that the ranger gets in dungeons and dragons yeah possibly i mean there are there are various ways to interpret things like signs to me um and again this is by no means definitive it's just kind of how i've always viewed them as signs are effectively cantrips you know there's that the, they're, they're not they're not major they are kind of almost mimicking real spells inverted commas 
and there doesn't seem to be any kind of limit or effort into kind of you know him casting them right right it doesn't really fit into the uh spell slot fantasy where you have a limited usage of these like very powerful spells that you're going to cast maybe only you get six spells per day yeah and and you know that spell casting that's just that's that's one of so many like huge decisions that you're making as someone who wants to play a ranger and also that anyone kind of trying to design a ranger has to think of you know spell casting is one but then there's um what weapon do you use you know are, are, do you use a bow do you use uh, a sword and shield do you use you know twin swords do you uh you know wilderness survival is that you know kind of going to the extreme of you know kind of the bear grills type thing you know is is that part of the range of fantasy for you and uh, and that goes into the entirely different issue of you know well maybe it is part of your range of fantasy but is it supported in your game of D D? like right an argument that i've seen all over the internet is oh the fifth edition ranger is balanced your dungeon master is just neglecting the exploration pillar of Dungeons and Dragons, similar to the way that a barbarian would feel completely useless if your campaign was just political intrigue, right? At least compared to the bard and the wizard and uh, the sorcerer and the paladin, who all have very, very high charisma scores and have like a specific identity in court yeah isn't isn't it interesting how um like a a a class like a wizard or sorcerer kind of by necessity would perform worse in a inverted commas low magic game you know some kind of gritty realism where where effectively magic is restricted but we don't have a term for like a low exploration game Mm, yeah or, or like a, a a low social game. I mean, I suppose a low social game you just call a dungeon bash, but um, th- there's no term for no, for, for low exploration. So there's no there's no expectation that it, that it's something that needs to be predefined. It's uh, it's it's kind of it's either there or it isn't, and and most of the time it isn't. And that is unfortunate, but that's that's kind of it, it's it's a problem the ranger has, but it's by no means rangers biggest problem narratively it's it's just the easiest one for people to pick up on and point out one of the biggest struggles that i see uh for the class is that a lot of the the things that you kind of touched on for what a ranger could be in like a narrative touchstone in fantasy to then start building mechanics off of is that there's so much overlap with other classes legolas i think is is what people, I've certainly seen multiple first-time players that I've taught Dungeons & Dragons to jump out at that archetype and be like, yeah, I want, I want to be just like Legolas. Like, I'm, I'm going to be a ranger because Legolas is a ranger. And I think if you look at kind of what Legolas does in the movies, he's actually just a, a very, very, very proficient fighter yeah. who maybe has the outlander background or maybe a feat that allows him to have basic survival and stealth abilities yeah and it isn't the power of language interesting here because you may be completely right that someone comes to you and says i want to play legolas so i want to be a ranger and you say to them well legolas is probably more of a fighter and i guarantee you they're gonna kind of give you this look and say but i want to be a ranger i don't want to be a fighter i want to be a ranger so even if even if you're right, there's such a like immediate like disconnect there, almost like a kind of you know they they pull back from you. They're almost offended by the idea of like no, I didn't say fighter, I said ranger. Right, right, absolutely. And now as a game designer, you have this pathway, right, this fork in the road that you can decide to walk. Because if you want to cover the fighter class, basically, also within the confines of your your ranger you you basically have to make a worse fighter right because it's got to it's got to do everything that the fighter does because they they want to be a fighter but they they're choosing ranger mm-hmm. so so how do we give them uh, a fighting style and enough hit points where they can survive in battle and access to feats like martial feats mm-hmm. but then for everybody who 
knows I, what a ranger is, I think, like the, the historical touch point for a ranger, which is this huntsman who cares for the the wilderness of a lord so they're the they're an expert expert survivalist uh, and and as as a result of hunting uh, on those lands and protecting those lands from poachers they're also very skilled archers and when the lord goes to war the, the knights put on their heavy armor and they pick up their long sword and their shield and the the yeoman is an expert archer, uh, expert marksman. So that's how they contribute on military campaigns. So for someone who is bought into that idea, this expert survivalist, now you also need to provide to them class features that let them do that. So you have to cover this amazingly huge, broad set of fantasies with a single class and of course you're gonna fail right like you can't pull that off without making the most overpowered nonsense of all time yeah it's not only satisfying everyone's range of fantasy by trying to please everyone you are going to end up pleasing no one if you give a ranger a beastmaster companion and you know but half the people's fantasy of ranger doesn't involve a beastmaster companion then you fail those half people like it all needs to it's it's impossible um it, it's just so hard like this ranger means so many things a, a fighter like just the, the concept of a fighter is i mean the fighter as a class is kind of the most kind of generic one you know can, can be made to fit as many kind of fantasy you know, kind of reasonable fighting related fantasies as possible but even then like fighter as a fantasy is still fairly narrow kind of you know the the clue is in the name really like what do you do you fight the 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 fighter is a little bit of a an empty canvas though i think that's the virtue of the the fifth edition fighter is it's so bland Mm -hmm. that that you can then paint your character on top of that bland canvas and they help you do that by giving you way more feats. So they're like, yeah, this thing's really boring, but you can put it together to be exactly what you want it to be. Yeah. Whereas the ranger is already painted green, right? So it's like, I hope this this character that you were trying to make on this class canvas, this chassis of core mechanics has a green background because if it doesn't, well, uh, sorry, right? Like, if, if favored foe isn't a part of your core fantasy, you can't chuck that feature and and choose a different one instead. Like that, mm-hmm. you you get it as a part of the ranger. Yeah, kind of, I've kind of settled on um, at, at least right now this idea that the the class core really should be. Just to, it should be enough to function, but it should be left kind of sufficiently blank that kind of you can paint over it however you want. Like um, you know, the, the fighter has almost no flavor at the core, really. Um, it just you know it, it it attacks and it uses action surge. Um, the rogue is kind of similar. It sneak attacks and it dodges. You can do so much with that. There's nothing like pinning it down. A ranger by virtue of having you know, natural explorer, say, in in its core features, or even having spell casting. It presupposes certain things, which is why I think there's never really been a consensus of how to do it right. Yeah, it's very interesting. Even the barbarian, which does get a lot of flavor with it paired to the class, the features themselves are very versatile. So taking half damage on your attacks while you've activated your core feature is very reflavorable. That could be like a very zen battle state. You might have some sort of like an overshield that is t- stopping you from taking double damage. Very easy even with that class to pop off or like unattach the flavor that Wizards of the Coast has has attached to that class and put whatever uh, resilient character narrative you want to on top of that class. Whereas the ranger, you get favored terrain. Yeah. You can't throw that away. You are a wilderness 
some type of a wilderness expert uh and and yeah you don't get to choose a different feature yeah and i, I suppose I'll, I'll pre i'll preempt some of the uh chat later on about the you know the, the watsi classes specifically but i think like the idea behind natural explorer is a really good one it's mm. not necessarily executed as well as it could be, but the idea behind it is great because exploration is, you know, it, it, it's present and in some campaigns it's entirely absent. It can't really feature as a a core feature because it's going to be redundant sometimes and, and that's the worst. And it is, I believe it's useless once you exit that favored terrain that favored wilderness well it, it basically deactivates right it's like oh well where levels one through three we were in the forest but now we're in a dungeon so i can't, can't use this feature anymore because we're not in the forest which is my favorite terrain yeah yeah i mean i'm not entirely sure that's that's a problem mm-hmm. so long as the forest will kind of reappear at certain points i mean th- there's no issue with um with like spotlighting in that kind of way mm-hmm. so long as it isn't you know uh we now spend 40 sessions outside of your your kind of preferred environment because th- then it does start to feel like well what's even the point right right so as, as long as you're coming back to it often enough for kind of for you to not forget about it yeah it is it is pretty amazing when the villains who perhaps you encountered for the first time in a dungeon overpower your group, but by virtue of encountering them the second time in the favored terrain, just because that feature is so good when it is active, your players are able to completely outmaneuver them. I think that's a really cool fantasy archetype. And I actually think, you know, of all the range of fantasies, I'm, I'm actually not sure about Drista, you know. Apologies, I haven't read the Driss novels. It's not really my thing, but um, but you know, Lord of the Rings, The Witcher, they are you know, great books, um, and I think all of those characters do have an an element of kind of being, uh, if not master of, at least expert in using their surroundings, and and that's the fantasy really of Natural Explorer, and it's why I think it's actually a really good ranger specific feature. Because yeah. that's something that's something you don't get with the other classes. You you don't th- you don't think of a barbarian like you know being the master of their surroundings. Yeah, and I I think I agree with you that I prefer a much more specific ranger class. I wish that Wizards of the Coast would put their foot down and say the ranger class is the survivalist class. I think you were the first person who uh, used this word to describe the the ranger in our conversation. They they are the adaptable character in the group. They will always adapt yeah. to the challenges that are being thrown at them. They're kind of the the wizard marshal, where where they always have a like a mundane world answer to the thing that has has popped up they aren't the strongest most capable fighter in the group because that's that's what the fighter does that's what the barbarian does they are the the expert survivalist yeah um yeah i think i think adaptable is is the right word to describe ranger and and i think it's that it's kind of if you were to assign like a particular like word to every class um, I, I think that's the one <clears throat> that best like describes the range. It just just in terms of the the broadness of fantasies that it encompasses, but also because of that, I think the class itself could be more adaptable because there are so many ranger fantasies or ranger features like natural explorer, favored enemy. These these kind of things that are dependent on the campaign itself. Like it's almost like the player needs to be more adaptable to you know wherever the campaign goes maybe you start in a forest and you know all right natural explorer right my my favorite terrain is a forest but then you go into marshlands for a month and there needs to be a a moment or or a transition in that period where you know you're able to switch your 
expertise but for satisfying gameplay from forest to marshlands but also that that does fit the fantasy of you know well a, a, a ranger is kind of the the scout leader almost so you know they're the ones who should be able to more quickly figure out this new environment and kind of take advantage of it that makes so much sense i mean the, you see that with almost all skill sets in real life someone who's learned three languages picks up their fourth language so much faster than someone who's learning a a a second language for the first time we see this with programming languages we see this with sports how many professional baseball players have just decided mid-career you know what i want to be a professional basketball player now yeah and they just are able to do it because they have built up that core foundation of all those skills that apply regardless of the like specific application that they just happen to be using in that current occupation it makes particularly good narrative sense in the in the case of the ranger but it, it also makes for a better game and and i think most people have already recognized this and and wizards it's certainly something wizards have picked up on recently you can see it in the the expert classes on earth arcana where all spellcasting is moving towards prepared spells and everyone can cast rituals and all that is you know, it, it's recognizing the fact that people like to be able to adapt their character to you know fit whatever their present needs are you know if, if people didn't want to or didn't adapt their kind of inverted commas loadout to use a video game term then there would be no need for prepared spellcasting you know known spells would be fine yeah I remember uh, one of my favorite Unearthed Arcanas that they ever released was uh, optional class features. Uh, Some of these got kept or nerfed in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. But one thing that they gave to bards, and I was playing a bard at the time, was at the end of a long rest, or I think it was maybe even a short rest, at the end of a shorter long rest, you could swap out one of your spells. And that was amazing. I took advantage of that feature every single time I finished a rest. I loved it. Yeah. You're making your decision based on, okay, where are we in the story? You know, physically, but also where are we kind of, where where do we think we're going? And to run through that mental exercise, you are engaging with the game. You're engaging with the story that your dungeon master is trying to, to tell. If you don't have a choice about what spells you bring into the next day you're paying attention to like the smallest details in the story just for the chance that you you might be able to choose the perfect spell for that next situation yeah absolutely i mean it's it's just another form of engagement right isn't it yeah you know it's so something that we uh kind of talked about was the these classes that have a a core fantasy kind of to to hang all of the features on something that a lot of these classes feature that the the ranger kind of doesn't is is a core mechanic that a lot of the surrounding mechanics also get uh kind of like hung on so rogues have sneak attack barbarians have rage the ranger unsurprisingly is shallow it's kind of like a conglomeration of all of these different classes and as a result maybe you could argue favored foe or favored terrain is supposed to be that thing that you you hang the class on and you you build the mechanics around as you level up i think the ranger's core mechanics um what are the what are the kind of primary fantasies a ranger needs to hit um and, and which are which primary, which are ancillary. And I think the ranger suffers from having a lot of secondary ancillary features. For example, um, Beastmaster, you know, having a pet. That's, that's a really important feature, but it's not a core feature of every single ranger, so therefore it can't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be in the core. I would say spellcasting is probably just as, you know, in the same bucket. You know, some people imagine a pet, some people imagine spells, some people don't. Um, and, and what Ranger has difficulty with really is kind of finding a unifying needle in a haystack theme that everyone can agree on. Even Natural Explorer, you know, like most people 
I think, would associate wilderness expertise with a range or maybe not everyone, and, and more importantly, some games might not support that. So I'd say that would also probably go in the secondary bucket of, you know, things that people should be able to pick as options, but shouldn't be core. Now, uh, I actually thought that in the PHP Ranger, like, I like Faded Enemy as a core feature. I think it was really interesting. Because I think one thing a, a core mechanic needs to achieve, really, as, as well as being, as, as well as making sense narratively for the class, is to, to feel unique. Your character kind of actuates or actualizes in a different way than other characters, so not only is the fantasy different, but you're actually playing a different character, so it feels different. I think that's really important. And, and the concept of my favorite enemy in the player's handbook was really good, it was just they didn't do much with it. The core really should just be the the most basic package that makes it works, and, and typically that is primarily going to be combat. Not always, but kind of your core needs to function by itself, and then subclass and all those options. That's where all the fulfillment of your creative vision and your creative ideas come to play. But the core just needs to work. So like a rogue, you could run a rogue without a subclass, and it would be just fine. You can say that for literally any class. So for the ranger, favorite enemy is a great feature, but it's got nothing unique going for it inside of combat. While I really like the idea, narratively and mechanically, of you know you are an expert against certain creature types, it needs a little bit more. You have the arms in your ranger. I, I'm bringing this up because I think it's genius. Did decide to get a little bit more specific. And you focused around this idea that the ranger times their impact in the battle for the perfect moment. And you crystallize this with mechanics with your focus feature on the ranger. So could you maybe talk about maybe what focus is and, and how you think it helps to deliver on this fantasy of the ranger? So in my ranger, I've effectively got two core mechanics. One of them is the, there's, there's favorite enemy which is very similar to kind of the, the idea in the player's handbook, except it gives you combat benefits against the creatures that you're fighting. And it lets you kind of, as you advance in the class, you get better and better at kind of how quickly you're able to adapt to new environments, new enemies, and, and you know, have more enemies if you choose. And the other one is focus. And, and focus works kind of like key points insofar as it's a it's a resource that you spend on your abilities. The primary differentiators about focus is instead of having a pool that depletes and replenishes on a rest, it's, it's a pool that starts at zero, or it starts low, but you generate focus throughout combat. So you never run out, and, and the idea I'm trying to capture with the ranger there is that there's kind of adaptability in terms of when they use this focus, and there is kind of an element of hardiness they don't run out, they can keep going. Which is, I think, something wizards have also tried to capture in, in the expert class version. Let's give an example of, of that, say. So you start with, say, three focus, and you get two focus points every turn. Say, contrasting with rage, or kind of any other class, you will take your turn and you will attack on your turn. And if you don't attack on that turn, you've lost that moment, you've lost that damage. Whereas Ranger, I've constructed it in such a way that it, like, it doesn't have extra attack. Instead, it uses focus to basically perform extra attacks or other things. So if you don't have the opportunity to use an attack on one turn, then you can carry it over to the next turn. So it's, it, it plays a lot more in that space. And you have the option to spend all your focus as quickly as possible, which, you know, admittedly in D&D is often the right strategy. But, you know, you also have the opportunity, you know, if you're in a... If you're in a, a, a battle where you know you know reinforcements are coming, then you can again. It's almost like being a spellcaster. You can save your your biggest spells for when they're needed most, and you can kind of trigger them. So yeah, I hope that vaguely explains how focus works. I'm enamored with this idea of a a resource that builds up over time that you can save for that exact right moment. Because whenever we think of the fantasy, I think of at least the archer 
ranger. Maybe the the battle opens up with the the martial melee characters, and they're they're slogging through these forces. And you you cut to the archer every once in a while. They're they're shooting some of the ads, but they're not they're not cleaving down these like giant characters. But then something really important is happening in the story where like the bad guys about to use the like crystal to cast the the world ending spell or maybe one of the the martial characters is about to get cut down from behind and then at the last second like the arrow comes in from off screen and and blocks that key event from happening that like most important thing whether they shoot the the big monster in the eye or they shoot the the crystal out of the wizard's hand or or they shoot the weapon out of the bad guy's hand as he's about to kill the hostage and i love this idea that focus is the the mechanic that delivers on this fantasy fulfillment for me if i had to picture like you know what's your kind of what's your mental image of like ranger in combat um for me, it's uh, it's it's Legolas riding that shield, you know, shooting like five arrows in a second, and like I I think a ranger needs to be able to multi shot, and and I'm not just talking about extra attack. I'm talking about you know, why can't you fire five arrows in a round, um, if you wanted to, or however many. If you've saved up enough focus, I mean, certainly you can, right? <laughs> yeah, and your focus is more effective against your favorite enemies is kind of is is how i kind of tie those two features together so um maybe i should just kind of read out one of them to to give uh, people listening the the smallest amount of context when you take the attack action you can spend two focus points to make an additional ranged attack as part of that action and this cost becomes one point if the attack targets a favored enemy it means that you are highly effective against your favored enemies in combat but you're not so effective not against your favorite enemies. And that kind of makes sense to me narratively, but also it it provides something like, as a DM, I'm, I'm always looking for, which is um, kind of spotlight moments in fights. You know, like, how, how can I create a combat that lifts up this particular character or, or that particular character? You know, players want those moments where it's like, right, I feel special here. It's why Natural Explorer, you know, feels good in that moment where you're doing it. Um, and it's like, yeah, that was me. You know, I was the main character in that scene. And with something like focus, um, like rapid fire, there does does is so effective against favored enemies that you will most likely do the most damage to a favored enemy. But not against favored enemies. You know, you'll 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 be reined back quite a bit. Which I think is very interesting and kind of dovetails into a conversation we were having before the show about asymmetry. You were very graciously <laughs> listening to uh, to last week's episode. Uh, and I, I love this idea that different characters get to be the main character uh, in kind of like a, in a rotating fashion, depending on the elements of the scene that are unfolding or the elements of that combat that are unfolding. So we've covered a lot of ground. I think that the important takeaways so far have been if you're going to design a class, but especially if you're going to design the ranger, don't try to adapt what Wizards of the Coast has put forward. Isolate the core part of the fantasy that you think is key. The way that that fantasy is isolated by other classes, uh, like the paladin or the barbarian or the rogue, and find your mechanic that is this this focus or uh, maybe it's like a clutchness mechanic or if you are creating a ranger that is explicitly a beast master like go all the way in that direction i think the trap here is to create something that is a little bit of everything and as a result it doesn't feel like its own standalone class heavy do you want to uh, add a little bit of nuance to that sure I, I actually think you you completely hit the nail on the head there which is um the most important thing is start from like a, a blank slate i actually think this is this is the that kind of encapsulates the the primary um concerns i suppose that i have with the the expert ranger and the unearthed arcana is it seems like um there's 
there's a reticence to say, okay, well, we got this wrong. People found this class unsatisfying, right? Let's go back to the drawing board. Like, there's a, they won't go back to the drawing board. It just seems to be putting duct tape over holes. And seeing if they can get it to a better place. And there's no doubt that the, the expert ranger is in a better place. But that doesn't mean it's the right place. And I think that's good advice for anyone is um, is if you don't feel something's in the right place, like never be afraid to just just take out a new page and start again. You don't have to set your old notes on fire. They can just be there and you can come back to it if your new direction doesn't work, but don't be afraid to take steps back. Yeah, yeah, I, that definitely resonates with, with me and my impression of Wizards of the Coast design. There seems to be a real reluctance to ever say, yeah, we got this wrong. We're going to try again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I was I was having a conversation about this recently, um, actually, in a, in a Discord server. And, you know, I, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth here, but my my kind of feeling about the Ranger, because it's been, it's been such a, you know, constant source of strife for Wizards. I mean, I have so much sympathy for them for so <laughs> yeah. long that, like, it doesn't feel like the goal is for it to be, like, good. The goal is just for it to be good enough. Just so, like, just, just so people shut up. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely resonates with what I've seen. Yeah, I think so so Wizards just released their newest attempt at at the Ranger with their with their 1D&D playtest. Um and I I think you're right. There are some things in there that I read and I'm like, "Nice. This is awesome. Crushed it." Like um they they gave the Ranger a climbing speed and a swimming speed. Really kind of zooms in on that idea of adaptability. So regardless of the physical challenge of the terrain, the ranger has the skills required to, to rise to the challenge. Another feature that they gave them that I, that I love, that I think is like, nice, this is, a, this is great, is they recover from exhaustion way faster than all of the other members of the party. So if you're a dungeon master and you really want to highlight how cool the ranger is in this one D&D playtest, like make the terrain brutal to the point where the players are accumulating exhaustion and the ranger will will very quickly emerge as this adaptability paragon because they're recovering from that exhaustion so much faster than the other members of the group. Something about those features, which is the the roving feature, the tireless, and, and what was the, the other one called? The, I know there was yeah, three. I can't, I can't never uh, remember uh, the names. It, 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 the, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, there were there were three in Tasha's anyway, um, and they've sort of been you know plugged into this new ranger, and and they're good features, but they they feel like there was a space in the class, and they're the features they had, so they got dropped in. And what I mean by that is I don't think they're they're, they're bad features. I just I struggle to explain like you know, speaking as a designer here, what is it about getting an extra ten feet of speed? that it would be too powerful if it came before seventh level uh, and, and what about getting giving yourself like what is it like 1d8 hit points or something at the end of a short or long rest why is that an 11th level yeah the timing of these features is a little bit strange yeah yeah the, the, the timing just seems to be where they fit yeah and i feel like you and i can can sympathize for them or empathize for them because i i've definitely been in the situation where i'm looking at a class that i'm designing and there's just a gap for three levels and i'm like well what if i what if i just take this core mechanic that i give the class at level three and move it over here so that i don't have to think of new ability and it's never the right answer but it does seem like what they ended up doing yeah, I'm, I, I don't necessarily think it's the, it's the wrong answer. It's just a, a lot of those kind of mid to higher level features do kind of just feel like they were f- the phoned in is the wrong word because they're not bad features. I just think maybe they they weren't fully considered in terms of like, right, is is this the best we can do at this level? And is this the best level for this feature? Yeah, I would argue, I would argue that they're core mechanics. Like give the ranger that extra 10 foot movement speed, climbing and swimming speed and exhaustion recovery as early as like third level. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? Because those feel fundamental to me. The the same way that the rogue it, it can can critical can can sneak attack and uncanny dodge 
uh, like by fifth level. They they have everything that they need to be a core rogue, by, and they have expertise, right, for lockpicking and stealthing. It, it feels like the ranger should have those core adaptability features like by fifth level. Yeah, um, and it, it's difficult to comment on exhaustion because obviously they're, they're changing it, and, and hopefully now that it's less kind of brutal than it was yeah um there can be more ways for characters to accumulate you know and and get rid of exhaustion than there were previously and and like if exhaustion was something that they really took the ball and ran with having a class that had like the unique ability to kind of shed exhaustion more quickly that's like that could that could be a core mechanic you know if if exhaustion was a was a significant enough part of the game um i mean I've had this thought before, actually. If you know, wouldn't it be good if instead of had hit points, you just had exhaustion? Yeah. You know, because you look you, you look at exhaustion now, and it's you know, uh, for for every level, you effectively get minus one proficiency bonus. It's it's not exactly that, but that's basically how I think of it. Um, like that's a that's a really interesting way of like um, conveying. And you know, like how you're how you're becoming increasingly more injured, and and it's it's narratively it's far more interesting than like you know you've lost seventy five of your eighty five hit points, but doesn't matter because you've still got at least one hit point. So many role playing games feature two health bars. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Don't Starve, where you have your sanity health bar and you have your uh, like your hit points health bar. Uh, we see the same thing in Mansions of Madness and House on the Hill. It, it works really well because it allows you to challenge your players in different ways, and it allows them to spend those two hit point pools to kind of like offset each other, right? So, like if you're if one of your characters is playing against, so say sanity, oh exhaustion, right? So say you have one enemy that deals exhaustion damage, and you have a different enemy that deals hit points damage. It's it's kind of co- it's a cool puzzle to have your players oh realize oh, I'm at full hit points, but I'm about to tap out on exhaustion. The other player is at doesn't have any exhaustion, but they're about to die. Let's let's swap monsters, right? Or let's at least try <laughs> to swap monsters. Uh, like I I love that the the extra layer or dynamic that gets added to the game with with multiple currencies that the players can spend. Yeah, no, I mean I I hope that there's so much that could be done with exhaustion, and 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 if that is the case, and and they do all these things, you know, some of which you just touched on there. There's there's so much they can do with it. Then I would say that like taking tireless, you could drop that down to level one, and it would be a great core mechanic if if there's enough support there for it. Because I I do think it needs a core mechanic right now. Like there are some features that the ranger has, and and this was a case in the player's handbook ranger as well, which aren't unique. And and this is at least a semi unpopular take because everyone always disagrees with me when I say it. Is is I, I sort of look at classes in terms of like I call I, I I say brick and mortar, which is and and effectively like bricks are the the unique features. They are the ones that make your class feel like its own thing, and they're the ones you build first. And you obviously don't actually build a wall like this, but you know run with my metaphor but you know you 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 get the brick sorted first and then the mortar is everything that is not unique to your class Mm, you know they are mm -hmm. in a way generic features and they are of secondary importance because they don't do anything specifically to enhance your unique narrative your your unique character and and ranger specifically it just has a lot of features that aren't unique to the ranger that are shared with other classes so you know you've got expertise here you've got spell casting you've got fighting styles i believe it's still got fighting styles yeah um it's got i mean i'm not sure what else is in here that's but you know that's that's in and then it's got extra attack so it's, it's got a lot of features in the first five levels and a lot of you know meaty features as well when you think of you know extra attack and and spell casting but none of those do anything really to set apart the range of fantasy from a different class that also has, you know, fighting styles and spellcasting. What makes Paladin unique is not fighting styles and spellcasting, and it's divine smite. And lay on hands, yeah, yeah. The aura, the Paladin aura. Oh, whew, I love those Paladin auras. <laughs> yeah. 
everyone, um, I think everyone can agree that what Ranger needs is Ranger needs its own divine smite, and it needs potentially its own aura of protection. But you know, Paladin is a really good class because it's got two. Its two biggest features are special. I think you're right. The Ranger is all mortar. There's nothing that you can only get from the ranger maybe a beast companion but like summons kind of do that but it's so bad that like who cares could you really tell the difference between five levels of fighter and three levels of druid compared to an eighth level ranger in in most cases yeah yeah and i mean it before ranger had and, and i've already said i'm a fan of these features but line of uh, I'm a fan of Natural Explorer in the right context, where, you know, in, in the right game, Natural Ex- I mean, again, maybe not the execution is perfect, it, it has issues with kind of, you know, auto-success and basically bypassing its own spotlight moments, so yes, there are better ways of doing it, but the concept of Natural Explorer is a great concept, and it's unique to Ranger, and it feels uniquely Ranger, and I think that's that's worth shooting for, and I think it's worth attempting to fix. And the same thing with Favoured Enemy. I think that's a really interesting concept. It's a really unique mechanic, and it's a mechanic that is unique to Ranger. No one else can do that. And as you said, you know, if you have the option to to change these things up, there's also the the element there of uh, preparedness and kind of looking to future sessions and, and kind of doing the whole Witcher thing where, you know, you're kind of scouting your enemies and you're, you know, doing all that, doing all that good Rangery stuff. Yeah, can you study the carcass of a dragon in Rise of Tiamat so that the next time your party has to fight that next dragon in that campaign, the ranger is getting some type of favored enemy bonus on the, on shooting at the dragon's wings because they know what parts of the wings now are more vulnerable because they've like they've studied the the anatomy of a dragon's wing. And instead, like and, and this is this is really my main critique of the the expert ranger is that they've got rid of both of those kind of unique features and um, you know natural explorers just disappeared because they 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 kind of gave up on trying to figure out a way to keep it from being redundant in kind of dungeon dungeon bashes or kind of you know non exploration heavy games um, which I think is a shame I, I don't think it was unsalvageable by any means yeah I think you keep it but give them everything else yeah and they've replaced favored enemy with uh you can cast hunter's mark as a bonus action hunter's mark is a it's a spell that anyone can cast now so like there's nothing you know you can cast hunter's mark as a bonus action without concentrating on it like concentration's kind of neither here nor there because you're a half caster you don't need to you're not going to be throwing them all out so you can cast hunter's mark that being said I wish I had two concentration slots as a paladin. I would love to be concentrating on bless and shield of faith and also a smite attack all at the same time. Well, right, we'll we'll come to that in a second. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got favored enemy here, right? Which is you can cast hunter's mark as a bonus action. A sorcerer can do that. I'm, I've I've no doubt that a sorcerer can't find a way to pick up hunter's mark without dipping, and then they can just quicken it. So like, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel uniquely ranger. And the double concentration thing is even more interesting because this is a first level feature and there's no progression to it as you gain levels in Ranger. Anyone can dip one level of Ranger to cast Hunter's Mark as a bonus right. action and not concentrate. That's effectively... If this, Ranger, if this Ranger had a unique thing, another class can get the whole of it by dipping one level in Ranger, and I think that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, yes, there are these these other features that come later on, but you know, are, are you really gonna gonna argue that toss by saying, well, yes, but if you go seven levels, you get an extra ten feet of speed? Like, is is that really enough to say <laughs> that 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 kind of keeps it as its own thing? I think there's precedent for that, though. I agree with you, uh, but I think there is precedent where uh, if the fighter's thing is is action surge. I mean, how many how many times have you heard about like seventeen levels of wizard, two levels of fighter to get two action spells per turn, two fireballs per turn, or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, you, you are correct. I, I do think there's a meaningful difference between one level and two. I do as well. And and I was I was kind of hoping that they were going to kind of close off some of those kind of uh, some of the obvious multi-classing kind of dips 
Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Bard has kind of a similar thing. The, the Bardic die doesn't doesn't get larger, and, and you do kind of get more of them. Um, but it's still mm-hmm. kind of as it stands, Bard is still also quite a powerful dip. Yes, I, I, I do feel like Hunter's Mark isn't a particularly unique feature, um, and it doesn't have any meaningful progression inside the class. I mean, I, th- I actually think there's a yeah the the new capstone 18th level, which is a weird level, increases your damage of Hunter's Mark from 1d6 to 1d10. I cannot believe you have to wait 18 levels for that. <laughs> I read that too, and I couldn't believe that that's what they decided to put at the, at the end of the. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a pretty dang good place uh, to leave this episode. Uh, heavy is there. Where can people find you? Uh, and is there anything, any closing remarks you want to add to this episode? The easiest way is uh, I have a website and all things linked from there is heavyarms.com. That's all one word. Um, closing remarks really is, um, you know, if you are interested in, in kind of picking this ball up and running with it, you know, I'm, I've tried to range it. Everyone's tried to range it. I'm not saying, you know, mine is the answer. You know, give it a look. It, it's it's on the site. the The whole core is visible. If if you wanted, just if you're interested. Um, but if you're interested in kind of creating your own content, always start with like, what's the story you're trying to tell? Like, what's the scene in your mind? Like, everyone starts with like, what what's the what's the epic moment that you that that you're trying to make happen? So just think about that and and go from there. Don't go from. Um, what already exists and how can we adapt it? I think that's great advice. Um, and I've read your Ranger cover to cover. I think it's, at least personally speaking, it's the most compelling Ranger I've read so far. Uh, and Heavy Arms also has a pretty awesome gunslinger uh, class with with dedicated subclasses as well. So if, if that's something that piques your interest, go and check that out as well. And until next time, I'm Raymond O'Connor. And I'm Heavy Arms. And thanks for listening to Running Off the Rails. If you enjoyed Running Off the Rails, please like, follow, and review our show on your platform of choice. Please follow our Instagram, Running Off the Rails, for notifications whenever we release a blog post, a new episode, or new content on the DMs Guild. If you prefer a specific type of content, please send us a message on Instagram. The jam you are listening to is Hoist by Andy G. Cohen, and you can find Hoist and more of Cohen's music on the Free Music Archive. You can find links to all of our content at runningofftherails.com or on our Facebook page, Running Off the Rails.